Our new podcast sponsor is BarkBox.com forward slash happy. Let me tell you how happy I am about BarkBox. A lot of you know we have a puppy named Walter and he gets into everything if he is not entertained. BarkBox delivers a monthly subscription of three to four toys and treats to our home every month. And the best part is they tested them all on their own pets. So you know they're the best. And right now, my listeners get a free box with every six-month subscription. Just head over to BarkBox.com forward slash happy. Hopefully, you'll be happy too. Hi, I'm Michaela, a psychotherapist. Hi, I'm Savannah, not a psychotherapist. Welcome to our podcast, Be You, Find Happy. Real-life conversations about life and the pursuit of happiness. seriously think the coolest part about this podcast has been getting to interview and work with some people that I've followed on Instagram for years or have come to know personally through social media or other resources and getting to spend some time on the phone with Ariel Ship, my guest for today, was like just so freaking awesome. She has got to be one of the coolest chicks and um, she is just killing it on the BU Find happy front. If you have not seen her Instagram, check the link in this podcast. Her mind is so much more than I even see on Instagram and it's all shared in this podcast. And I hope that you love our talk as much as I did. Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I literally was like Googling how to record phone calls on a Mac. And I'm like, this is like the creepiest thing to Google. (laughs) So I am so thankful to connect with you this way. So thank you for for being willing to come on this podcast. Yeah, of course. I'm super sorry about the the DMs get a little um... (laughs) crazy for you. I can only imagine. They just are a little stressful sometimes. And so I just kind of ignore them because I feel like people will email me for the most part if it's, um, if it's important. Yeah. So I, I actually was trying to think, um, about how long I've been following you. Cause I feel like I know you, even though I don't know you because <laughs> of social media, you know, I love that. So and fun. so I think you were, I think you were like celebrating, you were creeping up on celebrating 10,000. Wow. So it's been like maybe, what is that? Like two and a half years, probably? I think so. And and now you're about to celebrate like a hundred thousand. Crazy. I know that's so wild. I never would have imagined. And I'm so, I'm just so proud to have seen your journey too. And just to be a part of it. It's just been exciting. Well, thanks. So I thought we could start by talking a little bit about Tabor. How do you pronounce that? Tabor. Yes. Little lady. And you just rescued her. Yep, we've had her about six months now. And is she like part border collie or part Aussie or she's she's a mini Aussie. So her her background is she was rescued from a puppy mill. So they were like breeding mini Aussies and a couple of other breeds there. Um, but basically like the first six months of her life, um, from what we understand, she had little to no socialization, just like in a crate with her litter mates. Um mm. So, but yeah, she's a, she's a mini Aussie. I doubt she's like purebred or anything like that, but she's really cute. <laughs> her ears are freaking adorable. Like I, I love her ears. But with full size ears. 
Right. That's exactly what she looks like. So we have a mini Aussie in our extended family and we have a mixed Aussie who's like 90 pounds in our extended family. And then we have an Aussie as well. Who's 10 months. Oh, so cute. Yes. And there's so many similarities like um, ours is Walter and his his love of food is like (laughs) unmatchable. I know she doesn't understand affection yet. Um, I mean, she likes affection from from my boyfriend and myself, but like from other people, I'm like, they go to pet her and she kind of like shies away. And I'm like, let me just give you some food because that's a language she understands. And you just put a post up about a really cool, like custom puppy food, like custom dog food. Yeah, I started working with this company called Puppo a little while ago. Um, and Tabor has been loving it. But they yeah, they like custom make the dog food for whatever breed you have, you know, whatever their like sizes and their activity level. And they have, you know, dietary restrictions and things like that. Like I don't want to feed Tabor um, like grains. Mm-hmm. But no, it's not like the best for dogs. So we did grain free corn free for her, which is cool. I, I need to try that because Walter is such a snark. Like he will literally, he is not afraid to take a risk and like out of a two-year-old's hand. <laughs> so it's been a challenge. Like puppy now, so it's okay and all of his energy. But what about when he's older? You know, I'm afraid he's just gonna gain a lot of weight. <laughs> He'll be so and- cute though, like a roly-poly. <laughs> Could you imagine, like a like a chunky Aussie? Oh my goodness. I would I be a total mom sale. I don't know if I've ever seen one. It'd no. be an it, it would definitely be a fail. Yeah, for sure. But also, <laughs> I love that her eyes match your eyes. You get a lot of comments on this, right? About your eyes. I'm, I'm sure you must because they're just um, like ocean blue. Well, thanks. Yeah, I definitely, definitely get a few here and there. You know, I always joke. I'm like, I can't see them. So, (laughs) but I do, I do feel like there's such insight to the soul, you know? And, um, and so to have her have the same kind of, I don't know, she just, I feel like you guys twin in your eyes. (laughs) It's beautiful. Well, thanks. Yeah. She's definitely like, she's definitely a, um, a soulmate puppy for sure. So there have been so many things in recent posts that I was like, oh my gosh, I want to talk to her about that. Oh my gosh, I want to talk to her about that. Like I would just wish, and you were recently in Tahoe and I'm, um, so I'm in, in the Placerville kind of area. So I'm real close to Tahoe. And I was like, oh, that would have been so cool to connect and like go for a hike or something. Well, I'll be but- back. So I'm actually going, I'll be in Sacramento um, for a little conference thing this coming weekend. And then, um, but I won't really have a lot of time on that trip, but I'm coming back at the end of May to do a training with one of my teachers in Reno. And I was going to spend a little time in Tahoe. So I will be back. Oh, well, we should totally connect. Cause I, I'm sure I could keep up with you on a hike, but you would leave me in your snow dust. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Winter's over. I'm ready for the next chapter. Of right. activities. <laughs> I was like, I'd be like, bye. See you at the bottom. <laughs> like, I'll just be here writing down on my butt. <laughs> I'm very, I'm pretty patient. So, you know, my brother-in-law is really into, he lives in Reno. Um, He actually works for Patagonia and he's really big into um, like, they go, they like snowshoe up the mountain and then they board down like total off-roading, you know? So fun. Yeah. I have a split board too. I don't get out on it too much though, to be honest. Yeah. Split board. That's what they called it. Yes. (laughs) I, my, my mind has a hard time even picturing how that would work. (laughs) They literally saw the snowboard in half, um, wow. not with like 
or it's like with a laser, but they like saw it in half and then you switch the sides. So like the side that would normally be the outside is the inside and you put um, skins on the bottom, which basically like allow you to grip one direction and slide the other. It's kind of like if there was carpet that was only groomed one way. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then you can like walk up the snow and then you then you like clip it all together to ride down on it like a snowboard. Wow, I'm pretty sure this would be a mass travesty for me and I would be helicoptered out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty outdoorsy girl, but when it comes to the snow, I just, oh my gosh, my last experience, we were snowing, doing night trip at, uh, well, not my last, but my last bad one. We were doing night snowboarding at Boreal in uh, near Tahoe. Mm -hmm. And I literally wound up halfway down the mountain with my head like a foot and a half deep in the snow and they had to like bring the the sled thing <laughs> That's so funny I I used to I don't know if you know this I lived in Tahoe for like six years so I rode boreal all the time actually when I was like my sophomore year no way yeah so uh, I, I think you're probably a little bit younger than me but we were probably on the mountain at, at about the same time at some point I love that how awesome yeah <laughs> so speaking of outdoors that's that's um that's really like your, your gig. That's, that's kind of what you're, you're doing on social media. How did you, how did you find this space? Did you, um, where did you grow up? Tell, tell me about that. How did you come to, to be so outdoors? Well, you know, it's funny. I grew up in, I grew up in Aspen, Colorado, um, but I wasn't, I wouldn't call myself outdoorsy when I was growing up here. I was, I was a competitive snowboarder. Um, and that's really all I cared about was snowboarding and honestly partying at the time. That was like, the two cultures. And then I went to college um, for snowboarding. I went to school on a, on a snowboard scholarship actually in Tahoe. And um, there's a small private school in Incline Village called Sierra Nevada College. Okay. Super tiny. Um, but yeah, so I went there for school. And just through, you know, all the friends I made there and things like that, I started, you know, I found climbing and I found backpacking and all these other activities. And when, um, you know, when I got my, like my junior year of college, I got my like third real concussion and I hurt my back and I just had had so many injuries from snowboarding and I was I was doing okay but I wasn't like you know I I wasn't going to be the next you know gold medalist you know that that wasn't in the cards and so when I made that transition out of snowboarding which was like this huge loss of identity honestly I feel like you know you invest so much of yourself into these activities especially when you're competing at such a you know elite level And then when it's done or you decide it's over, you like don't know who you are. And so I was totally lost (laughs) for a while. And it was these other activities um, kind of came into to fill the space a little bit and made me realize that I didn't have to be necessarily identified with any one thing. Like I could be more than just Ariel, the snowboarder, and I could just enjoy the things that I enjoy and not have to be like, you know like any sort of specific thing, I could just enjoy all the outdoor activities. And so that's really where they became the forefront of what I wanted to do with my time is when I quit snowboarding competitively. So, so much thoughts coming to mind on what you said. And the first thing is that, yeah, what a big loss. And and you hear this a lot um, in all different ways. Um, you know, even if it's just like you're a full-time career person and then you become a stay-at-home mom or, or whatever. And, and I wonder about, um, a little bit about the pressure that we put on ourselves. And, um, and then when we have a loss, that sense of identity, how do we bounce back from that? And I think you are such a prime example in so many ways 
of, um, of taking kind of what's been put in front of you in life and, and turning it into, you know, so to speak, it's like lemons to lemonade, so to speak. I mean, you really nail that. And I think that's been such an inspiration for me to see. And I, I'd love for you to share how you do that, how you reset and how you kind of just keep on chugging, so to speak. Well, it's definitely not been a straight line <laughs> to get there. Um, you know, I think it's really easy to, to fall back into habits and patterns. And, you know, coming from such an athletic background, I definitely have this personality where I, I take things on and it's not like, oh, I'm just going to do this for fun. I like tend to be like, okay, I'm going to go all the way with things. And so right, right. I have to con- continually check myself um, and check my priorities and check my intentions And if I'm being honest, I think the thing that's made the biggest difference in my life is just, you know, how how yoga um, has been there for me and really like getting a a solid meditation practice, Mm -hmm. because I think so much of the time we are we're so busy and our minds are just so clouded with all the things shuffling around that if we if we actually gave ourselves space, we could see uh, the layers of what we're going through and really you know, give more words to the things we're experiencing, like the fact that you're identified with any sort of thing. Um, And so meditation, it gives you that opportunity to be like, oh, wow, I'm noticing myself get, you know, caught up on that hamster wheel or get, you know, in that, you know, obsessive role where I I just want to take it all the way. And it's been something that I've come back to time and time again to check in with myself and really start to, to learn. And it's not that you know, you meditate and all of a sudden you don't have reactions anymore. <laughs> right. right? But, right. But, but you meditate though. And you're like, oh, wow, I see myself in reaction. And then you have this ability to shift because, you know, we don't really have control always over that initial reaction or what we do in any given moment. But we do have, once we have awareness of the moment, the ability to make another choice. And so I really feel like yoga and meditation just played such an instrumental role in that transition. And that is just, it's so, so beautiful and so apropos and so accurate. And um, I love, one of the things that I love about mindfulness, meditation, et cetera, is that I really feel like it's starting to come to the forefront and not be like a hippie weird thing that only weirdos (laughs) do. Right. Um, For me, I've been, I've been preaching this to to clients for like, because I'm a psychotherapist. um, So I've been preaching this to clients for like years and they look at me like I was from, like fell from the moon, you know, (laughs) like you want me to do what sit where and what? (laughs) Um, And there's so many great tools anymore for, you know, like apps and stuff like that, that people can get into. But I know for me, uh, same thing when I'm just really stuck and, um, and I, and I have a pretty solid meditation practice myself every morning for a minimum of five minutes. Sometimes I run late and then we're late to school and the whole day's kind of shattered, but it, um, it really helps me connect with my, I feel like my inner soul purpose. And when I'm feeling like lost, I can kind of go to that space and know energetically, I'm so much more than any one thing, like just, you know, on a universal level and, and really find stuff that, um, that I've been seeking the answers to in the space of silence is so powerful. Yeah, I hundred, I 100% agree. And I think that one of the reasons that people are so weary of it is, you know, one, they think it's a waste of time, but two, they sit there and they think one, they're not doing it right or that it's supposed to feel good and amazing. And I'm like, there are so many times that I sit down on that cushion and I'm like, you know, it's just chaos going on. It's like, shut up up there. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think that I think a lot of, 
a lot of it for people out there is breaking, breaking that illusion. You know, I, I've been teaching these like intro to meditation or beginner meditation workshops at, at festivals. Um, and it's crazy, you know, when I ask the question, how many people um, raise their hand and say that they feel like they're doing it wrong or, you know, they feel like they're bad at it and things like that. And it's a huge deterrent from them moving forward with that practice. Oh, absolutely. And, and I love what you said about just kind of the noise. We've filled our daily lives with so much that we don't really have that time or space to connect unless we create it, I think. Yeah. And I think that it's, you know, we, we have the capacity to respond in so much um, <laughs> more responsible ways if we can create space for ourselves to feel it. But I think most of us, you know, myself included, even with the meditation practice, we're just reacting to life <laughs> instead of really getting a chance to interact with it, you know? That's, it's just absolutely, I haven't heard it put that way. And I love that. That is so true um, to interact with life. That's just gorgeous. And I really think that you do that probably a lot when you're out in nature because, and I know that you do have your phone sometimes and stories and stuff, but even the other day you said like, I'm going to shut down and I'm not going to share a story with you in the moment. And I'm just going to be present in my, in my experience in my life right now in this minute. And, and what was that like for you? You went off for like a weekend, right? You reset. Yeah. You know, I, I do it periodically here and there. Um, I think it's really good, <laughs> good for the soul <laughs> to take right. some, some time off from it. It's definitely been an interesting transition. Um, you know, for me, when I first started growing on social media, I had no intention of growing. Like that wasn't a goal of mine. I just was out doing cool things. I had a GoPro and I just, you know, the first 40,000 followers that I gained on Instagram were all just GoPro selfies. You know, I didn't want right. to have to ask somebody to take a photo of me or whatever. And so I would run out into nature and I would like hit the button so that it takes a photo every half second. And I would just spin around in circles laughing at myself if I felt stupid. And then I, <laughs> I wouldn't look at the photos. I wouldn't do anything with them until I got home. And so that experience, you know, out in nature, yeah, I took, you know, a minute or two to take some photos, but really I was just out there in nature. There isn't cell phone service or anything. And there wasn't stories or I, or I wasn't doing them at the time. So it's definitely been interesting to see how, um, as kind of the demands of social media have shifted, right. how yes. it, it's quite a bit more challenging to create that space, um, but just as important, you know? Well, and you, so you've really built a, a business from this too, with your dream life re revolution and things like that. And I think there probably is a certain expectation for you to be um, posting weekly or doing something like that. And I, I can only imagine how hard it must be to balance for you, like, um, being, re you know, in your real life, but then also this part that you are inspiring other people and you are building a brand this way. Yeah. I mean, the thing that's nice is I do find what I'm doing meaningful and I, you know, like, it's not that someone can be inspiring and motivational every single day, but when I am processing something and I, you know, take the time to write it out and, and post about it, you know, the comments that I get back from people about, you know, how, how, hearing those insights or just hearing my process made them feel less alone or gave them tools to process whatever they're going through, you know, that makes it feel all worth it. It makes it really, really meaningful. So I think that a lot of it is just taking the, the perspective on it, which is not always easy. Sometimes you're like, oh, frustrated or whatever. Right. Think, you know, if I really can give space, um, I can, I can really appreciate and be grateful 
that I have this opportunity to hopefully help and impact people in a positive way. So, you know, it does, it does take some perspective shifting sometimes. I'm laughing about your, um, about what you said, how you put the GoPro on like the speed mode and just spin around literally like last weekend I was at the beach and I put the, put it on speed mode, hit the timer button. and was like running and jumping, like frolicking. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, you know but then at the same time I'm having fun and I love photography so it's for me it's just I don't go anywhere without my camera because I feel like my memory um, works in imagery so I'm all I always have the camera in front of people you know and I I sometimes wonder like am I bugging people and and then when I'm doing my own timer photos I'm like oh this is really lame (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I think people are always, sometimes people are, are like, oh, like, you know, don't have the camera, but everyone's always grateful for the photos later. (laughs) I I literally just said this. My brother-in-law was like, are you going to put that thing away? And then, and then the, like, when we got home, he's like, hey, did you get any snaps of us clamming? Could I have them? I'm like, see, this is why, you know, (laughs) later, everybody wants them. They want to look back on them and reminisce. And yeah, that's so true. So you. So you said something um, a little bit ago about perfectionism and it's down um, because one of those posts that you're talking about where you kind of opened your heart a little bit really spoke to me and it was about not being good enough. I think you were in a hot spring or something like that. And um, you you were going to a conference, a social media type conference or something. You really had that pressure or that feeling of like, am I, am I supposed to be here? Am I allowed to be here? Am I good enough for this? Yeah, so that was that. I was, um, I was at it. Like, I don't really love the word influencer. <laughs> I really prefer like content creator or whatever. But, but yeah. I feel like that's the term that's being used now. So it was a an influencer trip actually in Tahoe. Um, that photo wasn't wasn't from that trip, but um, but yeah, I got there and was, they had about twenty of us and you know some really really amazingly talented photographers and you know just hearing people's conversation and you know their talking about how they're editing things, what they're using, their camera equipment. And I'm like, man, you know, I, I really felt, um, you know, I felt like that space of like, am I, am I, do I deserve to be here? I'm like, I shoot everything on my GoPro. I don't have a professional camera. I don't know how to use Lightroom. I am learning, but, but it was at, at first, I really like kind of made myself feel really, really small. And I had to, I had to kind of reflect inward. Luckily we had a little time and I sat down to meditate, go figure. Um, and realized that how lucky I was to be in that room of all those creators and that I did deserve to be there or else I wouldn't have been invited and that we all have a different flavor and you know maybe I'm not going to get the most beautiful aerial drone shot but maybe right. I'm going to be able to get some very cool lifestyle shot um, with some you know my own personality and flavor and and so I really just took that whole weekend and I was learning as much as I can and I've, I've actually started to implement some of the new things that I'm learning and it just it feels fun to be in that space of, you know, like student, you know, right. so, I think so often you, we get proficient at things and we, we stop being that we, we get out of the student mindset, you know, and I think it's just really empowering to always be in that beginner mindset and always feel like you can just continue to learn and grow. Absolutely. I think continual learning is so important. Um, y- you mentioned, you mentioned too, though, um, you know, that sense of kind of comparing, but one of, one of the things that I've found most 
inspirational about you is the fact that you are being you, you're doing you. And, um, and you're just putting yourself out there exactly as you are. And the fact that you weren't using, you know, Lightroom to edit your photos and still built that follower base. How, but there are people that probably look at your profile and, and even compare themselves to you, you know, like, oh man, I'm not, I'm not getting those kind of images. How do you think, how do you think social media has kind of changed the way we compare ourselves to others and how can we shift our mindset to, to be in that space that you described of, yeah, I, I, I am deserving and I, I have a gift that I bring that's unique, even though it may not look like someone else's. I think a lot of it has to do with our intentions. You know, I think a lot of people are out there creating and maybe their, their superficial intention of it is just to grow their page, to get a following or whatever it is. And I think if we can start to shift our perspective to either like have fun or to impact the world in a positive way or something like that and, and really shift the way, the reason why we're doing these things. Because I think a lot of times, you know, even myself included, I get, you know, we, get we all get lost in it, but I think a lot of times people are out there creating because they feel like they have to, to keep up, to be popular, be whatever it is. Um, and when that is your intention, the, there's, there's always going to be somebody who's, who's better at it. You know, there's always going to be someone who's further down the road. So I think if we can just all shift our intention towards, you know, I just like, for me, I, I really try to just, my intention really truly is to help inspire people to live their most, you know, abundant and radiant life, you know, that dream life revolution, but in a real way where there's not spiritual bypass, where we're not pretending everything is perfect and we don't have challenges, you know, so I try to share the full spectrum of experience. And when I stay in that intention, there's no compare and contrast because there's nothing to compare and contrast that to. And I think, you know, for a lot of people, if they can drop into a space of really checking in with themselves about why they're out there, putting themselves out there in the world and, and creating an intention that has that positive spin, then the compare and contrast game can start to fall away. Uh, That's so, that's so beautiful. And I, and I like the idea that um, when you're coming from an authentic place of your true intention, then you're just living as you believe your life is meant to be going without worrying about the external influences that are around you. Um, it's funny that we're talking about this because so today, so, uh, last week or two weeks ago, I interviewed, um, Steph Birch for my podcast and then she left for Aruba to go on, to go lead a retreat with yoga girl and then, and then yoga girl had her on her podcast and I was like, ah, there's this part of me that was already judging myself in the way that I'm a perfectionist too. And there was a part of me that was already like, oh, I hope I honored Steph. I hope the podcast was good enough quality. You know, I hope I asked the right questions. And then yoga girls having her on and I'm like, oh God, (laughs) it was just this part of me that felt that sinking, like, oh, maybe I'm not good enough kind of thing. And I, and I really have to work to, um, to push that out and come from a space of, like you said, like, no, I authentically, um, I authentically feel in my heart that I'm supposed to be here podcasting. I have no idea why (laughs) it was my friend's idea to even start this, but I just keep getting these messages that you're, this is what you're supposed to be doing right now. You do you, you know?
A hundred percent. And you know, if she, if she didn't want to say yes to being on the podcast, she wouldn't have, you know, if she didn't think it was worth her time or whatever. So I think in that way too, of like, you know, in that same way of like, I was invited on that trip, you know what I mean? You, she, she was excited to be on your podcast you know, allowing yourself to acknowledge that, that deserving aspect and quality. That's so true. That's just so true. Um, and this is, this is some of the stuff that I just love about you. Like, I feel like I, like I've known you forever and we could just chat about these things all day. And, um, and that's the, the part I really love about social media. There's a lot of it, um, that, you know, like you said, you go on these like breaks from it and stuff. There's a lot that I struggle with too, in the way of what to share. How do you decide, um, you know, knowing that there are people that are going to judge you or that are going to think they know you when they don't, how, how do you decide what to share? How do you, how do you go about that? Oh man, I don't know if I actually have a process for it. I definitely think that, you know, I, as ironic as it sounds, the more vulnerable stuff that I think most people would be more shy away from sharing seems to be more, more well-received than anything else. You know, it's like those places where you show your vulnerability, you show the, you know, the cracks that you have in your confidence or your process. Um, people tend to really relate to that, you know, way more than um, when I'm just like, oh, here's me doing something nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? right. Why yeah, do you think, I think that it, is? What, why is that? Um, you know, I think people feel seen. Oh, like they feel seen, they feel heard. They, because I think so much of it, we, we live our lives in a vacuum, especially our negative emotions. Like, you know, it's not super cold. It's, I think it's shifting, but it's not culturally normal to share what you're going through when it's a negative thing. And, and especially like, you know, the, in the yoga community, there's this, like, everything needs to be perfect all the time, which is this great illusion. Um, and it's not true. And so I think people feel they feel flawed or they feel broken or they feel, you know, like they're not good enough if they're having negative emotions. So when they see somebody who they perceive as successful or, you know, living a life they wish they had, and they, they see and hear that they also go through these same things. I think it just, it, it allows them to feel like they're not alone. So true. I, I was just talking, um, actually, we just had this on another podcast that like happiness is a constant reset. Like the reality is stuff's going to happen in life. There's going to be things that are thrown in your, in your face that are not your favorite. And, um, and I know you've talked a little bit, you shared a little bit about like your dad's passing and, and kind of the rough time that you went through there, you know, with that. And, um, and I think it's, it's beautiful that you aren't afraid to say like, I've had things that, that haven't been the easiest that it always hasn't been the dream life or, or my dream life is continually resetting what I see to be my dream or what I want for my life. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, just the moral of it is that it's not like you do all the things and then all of a sudden you're there and then it's, you're just, life is perfect. I think that it's just that reminder that no matter where you are, you're, you're continuing to grow and um, <laughs> whether you like it or not, life will challenge you and, and will ask you to rise, rise up to that occasion. Um, and so I think that, you know, if we can be more transparent, I mean, it's not that we need to be like negative all the time, but if we can be more transparent about, um, about our life being a full spectrum of experiences, 
then I think it just gives us a lot more freedom to evolve without um, that comparison and that contrast of like, oh man, like their life is perfect and my life is not or whatever it might be. Uh, that's it's so segues all perfectly. It just ties in. It all really is kind of the same concept of life, which is be you, find happy. <laughs> um, so, so the question I would have, since we're talking on that is what is your be you find happy? What does that mean to you? Like, how does that look for you? Um, I think it's ever evolving and maybe that's what it is. I feel like, it, you know, it seems in, <laughs> in the past, you know, 10 years or so that, um, I, I feel my, my brightest self or I feel my fullest self when I am continuing to grow and evolve and challenge myself. And I don't want that to come off as like um, not having contentment or not having gratitude because there definitely, you know, there has to be, has to be steeped in gratitude and it has to come from a place of, of, of contentment, not complacency, but contentment, you know? Yes. I do really feel like, um, I feel stagnation if I'm not challenging myself. And sometimes that sucks, man, because (laughs) it doesn't always, it's not a fun experience to, you know, like I was last year, I've been doing a lot more public speaking and man, to deal with all of those emotions that come up when you're about to public speak or, you know, whatever it might be like, that's not fun at all. Right. (laughs) It definitely feels like if I don't, if I don't continue to put myself in the way of those, that discomfort, then um, then I'm not growing. And that feels like stagnation. The, and it's it's funny that you say that because I listened to a podcast recently on failure. And I've, I feel this wholeheartedly that the best successes come from multiple failures, you know, from continually trying to explore different things and, and go down that rabbit hole and go, nope, <laughs> that's not right. No, it's it's so true. And I think, you know, so many people, you know, they see someone further along the road, and they think like, oh, wow, like that just happened. But most likely what they don't see is all of the things that happened along the way. I had a, <laughs> I had a friend once and she, she had said to me like, you know, Ariel, you're just like so good at a lot of things. And I was like, but what you don't see is all of the hours I spent in my bedroom, you know, <laughs> like slaving over learning this or all of, you know, all of the time, you know, like that's the part you don't see, but it didn't, it, it happened. You know, there were the 10,000 hours put in um, to get me to where I am today. And I think that that's with social media, especially people are seeing the, um, the end result of a whole bunch of failures. Right, right. And but that doesn't necessarily look like that. And then when you share some of that backstory of vulnerability, and then they're like, okay, I don't have to compare myself 100, um, 100% because I'm earlier on in my process and I'm still kind of figuring it out. And I even think it was Rachel Hollis who she, you know, she wrote girl, wash your face. And she said in her second book that I had six books before this bestseller. Nobody sees that. Nobody knows about those. Yeah. She's amazing. I've, I've, um, I, I really like audiobooks. It's kind of like podcast, podcast, audiobook type things. So I listened to that girl, wash your Facebook <laughs> probably like two or three times because I think that that's so funny, right? I know. Yeah. Ah, that's such a golden nugget. (laughs) She keeps it super real. Like she's able to talk about all of the kind of like woo woo out there concepts and just like keep it totally real. Right. And her audience too, um, you know, her primary audience being very Christian based and then being able to talk about meditation and mindfulness, that's a beautiful blend. And that those things can be synergistic is really impressive to me. Um, 
but my sister-in-law just listened to her, her book on t- or the audio book. And she said she loved it because it was actually her reading her. So it was like, she was just talking to you and that's really cool. Yeah. That's my favorite when, when the authors read their own books, because you can hear like, you just hear their personality as they read it. Yeah. That's, I got to remember that next time I publish a book, <laughs> I always hire somebody to do my audiobooks, but I got to remember that's a good idea. Um, no, bring personality into it. I would love to hear that. So I, I wrote my memoir on disaster quite a few years ago, 10 years ago. It, was, it just got um, five stars in San Francisco book awards and stuff. And it has an audiobook. And I've had people say like, why didn't you do it? And I'm like, gosh, it just seems weird. Like I'd be <laughs> embarrassed. You know, I need to figure out how to get over myself. <laughs> well, maybe this, some of the things from this conversation. <laughs> right. Exactly. No, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, wow, it's, there's so much more energetically to these podcasts that I do. I walk away with so much from them. It's incredible. Um, so on that note, your platform has been expanding tremendously. How are you balancing, you know, like you said, doing, uh, meditation, guided meditations and talks and tell me about dream life and the Florey retreat. Is that it? Um, so I'm teaching, I'm co-teaching a, a yoga teacher training in Costa Rica at the end of the year. It will be a 200 hour, um, yoga Alliance, uh, yoga teacher training. It'll be a month immersion. Wow. The jungle at the Flow Retreat Center, which is, I was just down in Uvita teaching at Envision Festival in February and yeah. it's in area and it's just so magical. So it's going to be a really, really incredible um, event and time. And, you know, it's good for people who obviously want to become teachers. We will give you the skills for that, but also people who want to really deepen their, their practice and their understanding of yoga um, and just to challenge themselves because I feel like even if you don't plan on teaching, learning how to teach and learning how to speak in front of others is um, it's a, it's a really powerful tool that serves in so many other aspects of your life. So that will be a really amazing training um, teaching at a couple of festivals this summer in Colorado, um, the Telluride yoga festival, and then yoga on the mountain here in Snowmass, which is where I live. Um, so, you know, the balance balance is, it's relative. (laughs) Right. Some weeks are low key. Some weeks are crazy. I do travel a lot, but, um, I do have, I, I hired an assistant and that's helped a lot because, you know, she can help me with the things that, uh, aren't my favorite. (laughs) Right. It's so important to have people in your pod that, that you can like delegate to. I think that's so important. Yeah. 100%. And just realizing that you don't have to do it all. Um, and I think a lot of people think they have to be at a certain level of success before they ask for help. And um, I feel very grateful that I've worked with some uh, amazing coaches and mentors over the last couple of years who are like, no, no, get the help before, you know, before that. And you'll be able to expand that much further. And um, I've been really grateful for that advice because I definitely don't think I would have made that choice as early as I did. Uh, so you that. burn out. Yeah. I, I've, I hired a housekeeper and I think that's like one of my favorite things I've ever done. And at first I was like, I want to clean my own home. Nobody's going to clean it as good as me. And now I'm like, yay, she's going to be here on Tuesday. You know, it's just like, <laughs> Oh, and that sounds like such a simple thing. Like I know a ton of people have housekeepers, but, um, I think anywhere that you can relieve the burden so that you can do more of what you want to do and and spend your time where it's best spent is so powerful. Yeah. And when you are, you know, bringing other people into your life to help you, 
you're giving back in that way too. You know, they're, they're getting more, they're getting work, they're getting the ability to create income for their family and follow their dreams and things like that. So, you know, it's really, it's really full circle. And I think sometimes we think getting help is selfish, but in reality, it's, it's, I think it's, it's more selfless because we get to, you know, put money into other people's pockets, you know, help them out, grow their, their wealth and their career. And then also when we have, when we're not so overwhelmed, you know, we can, we can give so much more of our attention and our presence to people and our energy, because if we're running depleted all the time, we just don't have any energy left to give. I love that. And, and I think that um, like the controlling personalities tend to be like, nope, nobody can do it better than me. Nobody could do it as good as I can. And then when you realize like, actually other people offer a lot of creative input to the process <laughs> and um, relieve your space to be able to spend being more creative and less in the nitty gritty and things like that. It's, it's incredible what can grow from, from like reaching out. And I think that we used to back in the day have, you know, it took a village. Um, and, and I don't know, somewhere along the way we like shifted and decided that it, we to be to be a strong woman or to be a strong entrepreneur, we have to do it all on our own. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's going to be the death of us, I think. <laughs> right, is <laughs> drive ourselves into the ground. So it's um, I know you went to Costa Rica and did the Envision thing, and it's funny because Costa Rica, I've been hearing so much about it lately. And I went when I was in college, um, and had a beautiful time. But I just don't think I was in the mind space that I'm in now in life. And I think if I were to go back, it would be such a different experience. So talk to me about Envision. What what was that like for you out there? Oh, I mean, it's such a beautiful, um, such a beautiful festival. Um, it's, you know, in the jungle, it's near the beach. It's really cool because there's something for everyone. Um, you know, I think I said earlier in the podcast, I used to be, you know, a big time partier that was really a big part of the snowboard culture. And when I quit snowboarding and fell more into yoga, um, I kind of fell off the, or started to slowly step out of that party scene, but it's a really weird and awkward transition to go from, you know, having that crutch of, of alcohol all the time. And then, and then, you know, maybe being sober at places where people, right. Are, are yes. So there was a, um, this was my first time, obviously I was teaching at the festival. So I, you know, I had a role, a role in the, in the festival outside of just an attendee, but it was my first time attending uh, a space. It like completely sober, like a festival like that, where, you know, where it's, there's music all night long, you know, till seven in the morning. Wow. Yeah. And what I loved is, yeah, there were people there having like, you know, the party time of their life, but there were also a bunch of people who came just for the yoga or people came just for the permaculture, you know, like there was wow. something for everyone. And I thought that that was really special that, that such a sacred container could be held, um, that no matter where you were in your journey, um, and what was resonating with you, that you could find, uh, find a home there and feel at home there. So it was a really, really I just thought beautiful festival, all the, all of the yoga teachers that they brought in were exceptional. Um, the food was exceptional. The fact that there was not any single use, anything was incredible to me. Wow. Like literally you get a voucher, you can buy a voucher for $3 and this allows you to like trade in a cup when you get a smoothie and then you give it back and get a voucher. And then when you go get a salad, you get a plate. And so literally wow. no, no, like I was like, wow, there's no garbage cans anywhere. And then I realized they didn't need it. All they needed was compost because they weren't generating trash. 
That is incredible. And that festival is pretty large. So I imagine the output of waste would have been huge if they didn't do that. That is amazing. I love to see people who are actually walking what they're saying, you know, they're walking, they're walking the talk, so to speak. Well, and what's so crazy is even though it was, you know, obviously it, it's, it's more work than just buying a bunch of plastic stuff. It really wasn't that crazy, uh, hard of a solution, you know, mm -hmm. and it just, I think it makes you think of like, wow, you know, we, we could, we could be probably doing a lot more than we are. Yes. You know? Yes. We have chickens. And, um, and so right now we have none thanks to Walter. That's like a whole podcast, but, um, <laughs> and so we haven't had them for a month and I'm picking up the new chickens on the 10th because I couldn't do the baby babies. I had to get them a little older because emotionally I'm just so like upset still. And, um, <laughs> one of the things I've noticed is like how much leftovers we have. So in the past I would give leftovers to the chickens. Um, or if my husband bought a package of sunflower seeds and then didn't eat them and they got stale, we would give those to the chickens and they love them. They're grubbing on them. And now I'm like, what am I going to do with these extra sunflower seeds? So I love that idea that little tiny things can make such a great impact, you know? Yeah, 100%. I think it's, it just showed me that, um, we, we can, we overcomplicated in our head, but that there, there are some really simple solutions that can make a huge impact and huge difference. So true. So I know that we don't have a lot of time left. And the last thing that I kind of wanted to chat with you about um, is you posted about being a diamond and having all of these multi, you know, all these different sides to you. And I, I thought that analogy was positively gorgeous. And I really wanted to see if you could share with us some of the other sides that maybe you feel, you know, within your social media, you have a certain side that you show. I know you have Sam, is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. Sam. So talk to me about your different sides. Who is Ariel for people listening that love you, that want to know you better? <laughs> what, what else is there? What, what else are you? You know, I, I, I feel like I do show most of myself on social media now for a really long time. I, you know, I was really resistant to stories and everything like that because of the like just candid aspect of it and the fact that, you know, like it, it wasn't, it wasn't something that I could necessarily control. I know we can control the stories more than if it's like a live recording or something like that. But um, I was just, I, I really for a long time didn't truly put my face out there. Like I was always looking away from the camera, um, you know, and I didn't want stories because I just felt so awkward. So I feel like um, I have really worked to try to show the whole aspect, which is why, you know, in my post, I talk about, you know, the, the negative and gritty. And I think what I was feeling um, when I wrote that was just that I, that when we have this, you know, image of ourselves that we've created, whether it's what we portray on social media or just who we are, you know, out there in the world, like when I was Ariel, the snowboarder, there was that image. And even the, there were things that I liked um, out there, but if they didn't fit in with that image, I wouldn't show people that, you know, uh, wouldn't. you know, and so I think yes. just being, being able to be more transparent with all of the aspects of yourself and, you know, like not feeling the need to be like, you know, have some sort of story as to why you're not having a drink that day, you know, right. or to make other people feel more comfortable of just kind of taking ownership of all of those pieces of yourself, whether they're, you know, the shiny side, that's me smiling on a mountaintop that, you know, whatever, or whether it's the side of me like bawling and crying because I'm dealing with something really stressful or I feel really overwhelmed, you know, or I just had a, like a shitty day. <laughs> right, right. You know? 
And just knowing, like I said earlier, is just that as human beings, we're, we're meant to have like the, or the reason all these emotions exist is because it's a full spectrum and the human experience is, is that full spectrum. And hopefully we can, you know, enjoy some of those lighter, more, you know, buoyant qualities and continue to bring more of that in our life. Um, but if we disown those other pieces and parts of ourselves, then we're never going to feel like fully complete or be able to fully rest in that joy because there's always going to be this kind of like um, abandoned piece of ourselves lingering behind the curtain, you know, waiting for its chance to to be a part of the show. And And so true to just be unapologetically you. And just authentically you. And then how much comes from that space of authenticity? It's, it's, really, it's really powerful, I think. I struggled with that for a long time, especially when I was writing my memoir and people were seeing, you know, the more vulnerable sides of me. And and because um, it started as a blog and then became a book is actually how it happened. This was years ago. And um, s- struggled with, like, how much, how much of me is okay to be. And now, the me now would go back and tell that girl, like, all of you is okay. <laughs> yeah. And like I said earlier, it's so funny because it's oftentimes the stuff that we're most weirded out or scared of sharing is the stuff that people have the biggest connection to, you know, it's like, it's, it's kind of ironic that the, the, the parts of us that we try to hide are oftentimes the parts of us that create the most connection out there in the world. So true. That's so true. So when, so I had this like epiphany because we kind of like scheduled this pretty quick. And last night at midnight, I was like, Oh, I didn't take any notes yet. And I was like freaking out that I was going to get lost in my mind. And then I was like, and I didn't send her any notes. Cause normally when I'm having a guest, I screenshot, have a sense of like, what's coming up or what they can expect questions wise. And you had none of that and you just killed it. (laughs) You're just like, you're who you are. And, um, and it's so apparent that you're just walking your truth. And I love that about you. And I really do hope that at some point we can be on a hike together because I would just be so honored to, to get to talk more with you like this. This has been a super special hour for me. Well, let's link up. Like I said, I'll be I'll be in, um, back in the Tahoe area at the end of May, and I would love to hang out. It sounds amazing. So fantastic. So thank you, Ariel, for being here. And um, I'll connect with you off the podcast on a little more stuff. But um, thank you, thank you, thank you. So honored. And I cannot wait to share your message with the world. Thank you so much for having me. I just yeah, I'm so grateful to even to even be thought of in the realm of, you know, sharing any any of it. So thanks again for reaching out to me. And I'm just, I'm grateful for the connection. I think we're going to continue to create some magic together as the the future unravels, it seems. Mm, I love that. (laughs) And uh, I'll just be back here in your snow dust. (laughs) But I'll be there. I'll be right there. (laughs) Don't worry. Um, Like I said, I'm super patient. I'm just excited to be out there. Oh, all right. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a good one. Goodbye. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. <laughs> For more inspiration, check out our links. Bye bye. Bye bye.